soon for Channel 68's Halloween Eve Movie Marathon. <laughs> I'm your host, your ghost host, with the most, Dr. Wolfenstein. I will be with you until the end. <laughs> Welcome to episode 103 of the Bad Taste Video Podcast. I am Mike, and I am here with my, I guess you could say, opponent today uh, in the great battle of, well, I guess this would be like round one of the Rob Zombie Battle Royal. Yeah, we got a taste, <laughs> just, a, just, just a little taste last week with the remake. Yeah. But we're we're gonna we're gonna deep dive it with the uh, the first directorial debut from Mr. Rob Zombie, a House of yeah. a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, who would have thought that I would actually agree with this? But I put out a challenge. It was close enough. It the met, people had spoken. It, the people have spoken, and we are doing a Rob Zombie film from 2003. Uh, actually, it's April 2003, which is very strange because why would you release this in April? Like, why wouldn't you try to... Yeah, why wouldn't you put this towards, like, the fall or whatever? I mean, the movie takes place during the fall. Like, I never kind of every never movie got he's done since then, he has done in the fall. So maybe he learned a well, lesson. He, well, he's a big fan of, like, the whole, like, Salem fucking... You know, spooky season. I'm so scary. Look at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, the motherfucker has burned through the witches. Like, of course yeah, he's into yeah. Salem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so this is the 2003, like you said, directorial debut of Rob Zombie. It was House of a Thousand Corpses. This movie is kind of interesting because I feel like this was the first taste of Rob Zombie as a director. It was definitely different than the mainstream movies that were coming out at the time, but I feel like he kind of just like blew his load after this. I don't know. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's a good way of putting it. Maybe. Uh, did the fame go to his head? Did the fortune go to his head? Who knows? But we're going to get into it with this episode. <laughs> I saw this movie. Uh, actually, I, I saw this movie when it first came out. I did not own this on VHS until rather recently. I saw it at the thrift and I'm like, I'm like, what the what the fuck? This, this was on fucking VHS. Yeah, dude, this and Rejects both have a, a fucking VHS release. So technically See, we can no- do Rejects also. I had no idea that the Devil's Rejects had one. Oh, yeah. That was something you had to tell me, and I was like, really? 
I thought after all this time I would have ran into one eventually somewhere. Never did. Isn't that fucking weird? Later in the, I'm sure Lionsgate wasn't really like, you know, investing too much in their VHS distribution at that time. That's very late in the end of the DVD switchover. So they probably didn't. I mean, obviously it's fucking Lionsgate. So there's a shit ton of them out there. But in comparison to how many copies of A Thousand Corpses is out there, it's probably a little bit harder to find. Yeah, and even House of a Thousand Corpses, I don't think there's probably, I mean, there's a lot, but I don't think there's as many as you would think, because like you said, DVD was in full swing by then. Absolutely, yeah, even with this one, you're right, yeah. Yeah, like, I was surprised that this was on VHS, I really don't remember it being out on VHS, I bought it on DVD when it came out. Uh, it's, I guess, like one of those things where it was so late in the cycle... Then it was like, who the fuck is even buying this? Like, let's let's ship like fucking 50,000 units and that's it. Uh, it's not, it wasn't exactly like the late 80s or the early 90s where everybody now had a VCR. Every, yeah, I mean, people had beta, but most people had VCRs. Yeah. Around here, I could not remember any Betamax for, for rent in any stores. Yeah, maybe I, mean, I just wasn't either. really. And I've worked in a maybe, few and I don't remember any Betamaxes. Yeah, I mean, maybe I wasn't just looking for it, because really, like, you're really cognizant. Maybe when you're, you know, 10, 11, 12, you remember shit like that. I don't ever remember seeing that stuff. So maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed the beta craze. And well, you know, I've never seen saying a, that is pretty true, because it, if, if you ask me, beta max is for old guys. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, you know start any fights we're not insulting you beta guys but no, you know no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you inferior format maybe yeah. I don't know uh, I also <laughs> do not remember seeing laser discs for rent except for one place in Bethpage New York called Laserland that and it was sense. it was it was like a fucking you know uh, like the Wiz remember the Wiz yeah <laughs> where it was like a real fucking over the top record store it was like that type of shit oh yeah pre pre-like fucking lame 90s tower records <laughs> i know people have love for that shit but whatever so <laughs> rob zombie you would know him from white zombie that was the band that i really was first aware of because of older relatives of mine who were into that then Same. when i was in i guess what middle school hellbilly deluxe came out Right? Would that have been middle school? That, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah, we were then. probably middle school. I was. Yeah, I think yeah. I was like a ju- no, like a freshman in, in in high school when that shit dropped. Dude, that was fucking. That was a long time ago. But uh, then he released the Sinister Urge in I believe two thousand and one. And by then, this movie was shot. This movie was shot in two thousand, so it wasn't exactly released immediately. But Sinister Urge came out. It had the song House of a Thousand Corpses, right? And There's this would eventually end there, up, right? You said, yeah, uh, you know, a couple. Good oh, uh, scum of the earth is on that one. <laughs> this guy spends all yeah, this scum time. Scum of the earth, come on! Shitting on Rob Zombie, and you hear him over here. He's singing hey, the dude, songs. You know what? I don't really have a problem with the music up until probably. Actually, I think the Sinister Urge was like the last album where I was like, "This is yeah, this is like pretty good." Yeah. yeah, this is good. I like that remix album that they did. It, with like fucking how to make a monster and stuff like that oh that yeah sick <laughs> I, I think from like that that point on though it just became like 
really cliche like dirty bar stripper music that he was just yeah. trying to make and it just doesn't oh, it doesn't doesn't feel good when you listen to it yeah yeah well you know you're gonna hear dragula when you go to a fucking any bar in the <laughs> south any strip club in the south or living dead girl one of those oh living uh, dead girl that, that's the one I, there's like cowbell in that isn't there so apparently this had a budget of seven thousand dollars maybe there's a number also out there for uh seven thousand seven million dollars like god damn they did a good job god damn so <laughs> it was between seven million and fourteen million that's a huge huge disparity I would have to say maybe it was closer to seven, right? This doesn't look like it was that crazy because they filmed it at the Universal backlot and then like rented uh, rented some ranch somewhere. And I guess he was like fucking building like a haunted house attraction for Universal at the time. And he just started using a lot of that shit for the movie, which if yeah, you think about that now, it makes sense because a lot of this could definitely like, this the set design of this totally feels like a fucking haunted house you would go to in Halloween. Yeah, I'm fairly certain he did a couple haunted houses for Universal. Like, he's a mainstay down there, right? He's done, I think even before this came out, he did something. Oh, yeah. He's like, been while, like while a set he was designer a musician. behind the scenes on a lot of big things. I mean, he got to start doing set design on Pee Wee's Playhouse back in the 80s. And Dude, that's crazy. He did all of his own music videos for White Zombie, for Rob Zombie. He's he's done a bunch of other like uh, other musicians' music videos before this. So he he had his you know some skill behind the camera, but this would be his first here's seven million dollars let's go fucking make a movie you know kind of yeah well he did the beavis and butthead do america acid trip in the uh in the desert that was sick love it that was awesome it looked like you know white zombie cover art come to life which i was so in love with that's one thing i have to say like at that time they had a very distinct uh artistic like uh what style and it really worked for that band, like everything about them, like it, it just clicked. And then it's all Rob credit, man. He drew that shit. He, it was his idea come to life. So I mean, you, you can't hate him. That white zombie fucking ruled. Dude, that was all Jay Younger, wasn't it? Wasn't the, he the one writing all those songs, the guitar player? Yeah, I mean, the, a lot of those rhythms and shit like that, like that. Then he doesn't get any credit though, dude. Like you're right. Like Jay was a fucking phenomenal guitar player, and the originality that that dude has is. Mind Ooh, that Ibanez Iceman. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, wasn't, like, Rob, like, hooking up? Like, he was dating the bass player, and, like, that's, that's kind of went shit yeah. went south. And, uh, yeah, you know, Sean. Sherry came into the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Mike Tempesta, the drummer, was in White Zombie also. And then he actually was the only one that followed him to the solo project. Right. And, dude, dude him getting Johnny Five for that solo project. Smart well, that was fuck. later. That was later I'm on. I'm saying though, that is such a good addition to. He's an amazing guitar player. I'm a huge Johnny fan. He's a great guitar player, but those those John Five albums are fucking oof. Could be better. Well, like yeah. the I can't blame you know. him for those, but I I know what you're saying, dude. Remember when uh, the uh, so the original guitarist and bass player was uh, Riggs and Blasco, right? And the guitar player had a fucking Lucite Fernandez. That had fake blood in it. Oh, Do you remember that? No, I, I that doesn't ring a bell at all, dude. But that sounds dude, look, so fucking cool. Look that shit up. It was so sick. And I believe uh, Blasco, the bass player, ended up playing for Ozzy. Is he Ozzy's bass player now? I wouldn't doubt it. 
They all I don't know. We're getting for each other. All those the big metal bands and shit. We're going. We're going way off now. We're we're doing like you know, Some deep diving on fucking six white degrees zombie. of yeah, six <laughs> degrees of House of, uh, of a Thousand Corpses. Let's hit that fucking trailer and we will see what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Howdy, folks! You like blood, violence, freaks of nature? On a stormy Halloween night, four young people set out across the back roads of America. What's that? It's a hitchhiker. What, should we stop? We can't leave right here in the rain. In search of a mysterious figure known only as... Dr. Satan. Do you know anything about the legend of Dr. Satan? Yeah, I can show you. Dr. Satan! Ah, Dr. Satan! What they uncovered... <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet is the most horrifying and shocking tale of carnage ever seen. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. You seen this girl? Yeah, they want to play Nancy Drew with this local legend that people call Dr. Satan. Stupid kids probably got themselves lost. Let's get out of this nut house. The boogeyman is real. And you found him. From director Rob Zombie <laughs> comes a journey into hell. This can't be real, this can't be real, this can't be real. <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses. Hope you like what you see! House of a Thousand Corpses. You know what? I can pretty much summarize this movie like rather easily. Uh, a group of traveling young people run in to the wrong family. That's good enough. That's pretty much uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, we got a group of kids. They're on some sort of road trip to find all these weird attractions and stuff on, you know, in backwoods America. And they stumble upon Captain Spaulding's. What is it called? like the house of murder and madmen or something like that and it's ride this like chicken. ride it's a it's a dark <laughs> ride and it basically shows all these serial killers you know like Ed Gain, Albert Fish, all that shit and then there's Dr. Satan, the local fucking madman and I do enjoy his backstory where it's like he worked at this mental hospital doing all these experimental surgeries on people to make him like uh to make them like super soldier slave type people and eventually the townsfolk came for him they hung him and his body was gone the next day i think that's a pretty solid uh what would you say uh, like lore to base the movie on right yeah, especially since it like pretty much morphed into like something completely different with the whole dr satan thing than it was originally supposed to be so i think that it was it's it's it does a good job of basing the movie off of that lore. Yeah, and I wish they would have did a little bit more with it, giving us just a little bit more of an explanation of who this guy was in relation to the Firefly. Uh, the fi uh, That's going to kill me all day. The Firefly family. The Firefly <laughs> family. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he's kind of like the odd man out, right? So we have like the lineage of the Firefly clan. You got uh, the uncle or no, the grandpa, right? Who's 
Mother Firefly's father, right? Correct. You have the guy in the Dr. Satan office with the mask and everything. That's her first husband, the father of Tiny and Rufus. I, dude, I see. I'm good. I have. I did my fucking research here. Then you have Captain Spaulding, who turned out to be the father of Baby. So I guess they got together after the other guy went crazy and burned the house down, right? And then Otis is the adopted son, right? right. So he is actually related to Baby. That that's her like stepbrother, I guess, or half brother, or whatever. Stepbrother. Would, would that be, be a stepbrother? Adopted, adopted brother? Adopted brother? I don't know. How, I don't know, I don't know. The, the, the terms that yeah. would be they, used in that relationship. He's a brother. Yeah, they. Yeah, they lucked out that he was also a fucking crazy person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now I thought that Doctor Satan was Tiny's and Rufus's father. It's it's the it's the professor guy. Yeah, it's the dude at the end that's like fucking the yeah, giant yeah. Resident Evil looking guy. And the whole backstory made, there is that, like, he burned the house down, and that's how Tiny got all fucked up, because Tiny is this, like, seven-foot dude who's, like, you know, covered in burns and shit like that. So, uh, I guess that's the whole, you know, it's so even more crazy because he was burned by his own papa type of thing. Yeah. And you know what? I like that the Firefly clan, this is something I have to give credit to with Rob Zombie. The casting in this movie is great. Uh, the Firefly clan is all just people from like exploitation movies from like the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. All people you would recognize. Sid Haig plays Captain Spaulding. You have um, uh, Karen Black playing Mother Firefly. Uh, Otis is fucking Bill Mosley. So, you, yeah. yeah, you got all these fucking crazy people in this movie. It's like uh, Tom Towles. Well, he's not part of the Firefly clan, but he's, he's fucking, dude, he's fucking, you know, that's Otis from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or Cooper from the Night of the Living Dead remake. And there's a that's lot of those awesome. little like cameos that you'll see, even like smaller parts will be people you'd be like, man, that dude looks fucking familiar and sure as shit. You look it up and he's been in like, you know, small roles, but all throughout the 80s in different horror movies that you're familiar with. Yeah, it's like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? And even the guy that plays Tiny, what's his name? Matthew McGilroy? I yeah, he's name. been in a his ton name? of stuff. He plays usually like creature suit stuff. I mean, he's legitimately a fucking giant human being. He was, unfortunately. Oh, is he passed <laughs> now? I didn't realize yeah, that. No yeah, shit. yeah. But like, I remember him. This is going to sound really weird. I remember him the most from Big Fish. Wasn't he in that movie? Didn't he play like his friend that was like a giant? Oh, yeah. I think I remember like the whole scene with them walking and holding hands and some shit like that. Wasn't there like. Yeah, like he's. That? Yeah, it's like a gentle giant, all that shit. Oh, but uh, adorable. The, even the casting of the kids. I, I, I mean, I guess they're kids. They're really not. They are adults. But you have um, Rain Wilson, who you would know from The Office. And this was pre-office days, obviously, but oh, yeah. he he looks exactly like like Dwight Schrute in this fucking in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it is that character almost. It's pretty funny, even like the mannerisms of him. Dude, everything about him, like fucking. Uh, oh, his name is Matthew McGrory. Oh, that's the, the really tall. Yeah, guy that yeah, and tiny. he was yeah. he yeah he was in Big Fish, but um, dude, like all these fucking guys, they're all fucking awesome in this. Um, Oh, Chris Hardwick, pre, 
uh, I guess, singled out days. No, was it singled out? Yeah, with Jenny McCarthy, Jenny right? Jenny McCarthy, yeah. yeah. What and a ridiculously terrible he, show that fucking was. He had some other show too, right? He had some other fucking talk show. Uh, Would yeah, that he, have been around he, this time or after? No, he had. A, he's had a bunch of different shows. I know he's hosted a lot of different things. He did a bunch of stuff for MTV. He's done things for Comedy Central, uh, AMC. He did the the Talking Dead show where yeah. he like talks about the fucking Walking Dead. Like what a ridiculous premises for a show that is. Uh, so he got he got pretty famous after this. Actually, you know, Rain Wilson and him they both did. They both blew up after this. And he's in this movie because of the fact that he had been friends with Rob Zombie from the MTV days. They had met back working on mtv shit and you know hit it off and you know it was an easy pick for him to be in it wow i didn't know that that's you know it's funny it's one of those things where you, when you go back and you watch this movie and you're like oh shit i totally forgot these guys are in this you know what i mean like you do the whole like uh uh you just disassociate their early work from what oh, you know them for now you know what i mean and it's not i i doubt they would like not talk about this movie if you saw them i doubt they're ashamed of it Right. Oh, I mean, as of recently, you know, Chris Hardwick has was uh, did a podcast episode. He has his own podcast and shit like that. And he had both uh, Sherry Moon and Rob Zombie on and they talked a lot about this movie. And he talked about, you know, obviously he's he was kind of bummed because he was drinking a lot and shit and he was doing a lot of drugs. Uh, but he's clean and sober now. And he was like, I just remember having so much fucking fun making this movie. I, I love watching it. So he actually does really, really enjoy that he was in this movie so i think that's always cool when the people can look back on it and like it he doesn't get the kevin bacon treatment no it's like i don't want to talk i don't want to talk about it unless it's making me unless it's making me money yeah right yeah can you pay me a little? right yeah yeah so this movie obviously has uh i guess themes from previous films you know what i mean it's got a very uh texas chainsaw massacre vibe like a spider baby type thing all that sort of shit like these backwoods family sla semi slashers i mean obviously texas chainsaw massacre is considered a slasher but you know the the evil people that live in the hills and you don't know what they're doing right like these and it's been a I horror mean, trope now from before this movie and now even after this movie it is and it's been done so many times but it's you can it's it can either be a huge hit or it can be a total fucking miss. Yeah, I feel like it could come off very campy. If you don't pull it off well, it comes off as goofy as shit. You know right. what I mean? Like you, like a local yokel fucking coming after you. Yeah, there's a lot of those out there that real shitty like, oh, it's, you know, it's it's too on the nose. Uh, but then there's other ones where it's like, I remember in the same time year, in the same year, this one came out, 2003, Wrong Turn came out. When I, I seen that one in theaters, that shit blew me away. I thought that was a really cool movie. And that's got all like the weird inbred West Virginia Hill people. I'm, I'm sure Chase knows who they are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 he's regular Virginia. Regular right? Virginia, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if, if the movie is going to be campy and it's going to approach this subject, it has to be self-aware that it's goofy. Um, and that's kind of what I think this does do a little bit. It's, it's like Motel Hell. Motel Hell is kind of like a backwoods, you know, hick family, you know, chopping people up, making them into sausage type of shit. But it's a goofy movie and it knows that the premises is silly. So it doesn't take itself too seriously. So I would consider this, I know you compare it a lot to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I would say more uh -huh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Almost to the point where Mosley is like an extension of 
the uh, the character that he plays. In, in, he's like in chop Texas. top. Yeah, he's almost. Like, <laughs> it's very chop toppy. I feel like when I first saw it too, I was like, holy shit, this reminds me a lot of of chop top. You know what? Now that you say it, like even the the Firefly house, they have that whole stage set up and shit. That's very similar how to how in part two they had the the amusement park, exactly. right? That's like where their base of operations were, and they're doing all this fucked up shit in the basement. They got bought people skinned, you know, everywhere. I love very that similar. underground like TCM dungeon shit that was going on. I thought that was. So cool. <laughs> But there's like a ton of these backwoods movies just before dawn, right? You got this hillbilly family killing these people out hiking, well, camping. But that one also has uh, Mel from Sleepaway Camp, I think. I think he plays somebody oh, in, in that. Like one of the first uh, guys that you see is him, like his son or something gets killed. Uh, there's a couple other ones, like The Hills Have Eyes. You know, how many times can we mention that movie? Yeah. Uh, very different i would say when it comes to like backwoods cannibal films all that sort of shit they're more just like they're gonna kill you and eat you and all that stuff this is more sadistic just like a house of serial killers you know it's, it's the more perverse the better of the, yeah 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 even something like 2000 maniacs i was just gonna say that 2000 and 2001 maniacs i think even more so this kind of plays to the sensibility of 2001 maniacs because it's a little sillier than the original it's uh, more self-aware that it's a campy, like, funny movie. Whereas, I mean, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, I mean, I think made some of um, the most original, best movies of all time. But his, I mean, that was not, it didn't have to be self-aware when he made that in 1964. Because it kind of was almost a reality of those people and how those people were really acting then. Yeah, so. people, people were going to be fucking shocked regardless right. at that time. Remember, people flipped the fuck out with Night of the Living Dead, and that was four years later. That was 1968. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it was, already yeah, fucking, real. it was already fucking... It was already there. You just didn't see it if you were in the wrong place. You know, that was a real uh, underground... Not even underground, but like a drive-in circuit thing where maybe it would be in your area for two weeks, and then you would never see it ever again. You would have to hope it would come out on tape uh, 20 years later. Dude, I, I, I wish... <laughs> That sensibility and that, oh man, that excitement for new movies and underground, you know, movie circuit still existed in that sense. Cause that just seems like such a, a fun aspect and would be such a cool thing to be like, yo, I got to fucking see this movie, you know, when it was here for two fucking days and no one else yeah. is going to be able to see it in the area, but I got to see it cause I was aware of it. That it seems such but like a fun thing. But that was also the time where, like, you would be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go see this movie. Then you go and you're like, fuck, I saw this fucking two years ago under a different name. You know what I mean? They would just repackage the movie just like they did with VHS tapes. How many times do we have to say that? You know, do your research. (laughs) Um, So what did you think about the soundtrack, the score and shit of this? Did you like it? Didn't you like it? What would you what would you say? So memorable. Well, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I said like, was it memorable to you, or? Well, I, I not memorable when, in the sense of when you think of Rob Zombie's other movies, those soundtracks are very memorable. Um, you know, Devil's Rejects, uh, you know, the Terry Reed songs on there, it just fits so well for the vibe of that movie. And with this one, you don't get as much as that. There, there's there's a few good songs that do set you know some vibes. There's like the, a Ramon song and a Slim Whitman song. Um, the I Remember You Slim Whitman song is probably the best use of a song in this movie. Uh, it's when he's going to be killing the cop 
that's coming to investigate the missing uh, girls that, you know, were with the guys. Yeah. Um, and that song is just such a juxtaposition of that scene because he's getting his brains blown out and it's such a soft, beautiful song. And I think that's what Rob Zombie does best with his soundtracks and what does make it a little bit rememberable. But this doesn't hold up to the rest of his movies, I think. I don't think this oh. soundtrack is, is good at all. Yeah. I think it's pretty forgettable. I mean, the, the only thing I can really remember from this is A, the House of a Thousand Corpses song. And that's only because, you know, it was from that album. Yeah. Uh, the, the Pussy Licker song, because that's another one that they like released as like a regular song. Uh, and there's the one sound cue that's like. Oh, it's like a it's a heavy synth hit. A fucking and, airplane going over. Yeah, it's it's very just okay. And I think the later ones benefited from John Five being involved. Because all those newer ones, like Lords of Salem, I think he was the one who actually scored them for him. Oh really? Like the actual I think so. He definitely had a hand in it. That's awesome. But yeah. Cause like you said, he's a great guitar player. He's very talented. I just don't think he was given a good set of directions. Oh yeah, you uh, <laughs> put him behind like, dude. That dude playing some country licks will blow your fucking mind. Oh yeah, man. Him Holy finger picking. Shit. shit. That's dude, why he yeah. always plays the telly. Yeah, you don't. You true. don't expect it from this dude, but I, you know, whatever. I guess you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Very true. Right. Now here's something I was wondering, because I know I know at least in this area, you grew up how many hours away from me in Buffalo. Was there hype for this movie? Was this something people talked about? Did you talk about it in school? Was this something you were aware of? Or did it just come out one day and you were like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I think it just came out one day for us because it's like, I mean, I, I, I'm in Buffalo now, but I mean, to put it in perspective, I, I went to school in a town where I, I, was, I was like one of 50 kids in my graduating class. So we didn't really have, you know, a, the closest theater to me was fucking, I think, almost like an hour and a half away. And so we didn't really go to the theater that much. And I didn't really even remember seeing the, you know, commercials or the trailers or anything for this at that time period. I just remember seeing all the other fucking like gore porn shit that was starting to come out. And I would have loved to have been able to see this in theater because that's something that I didn't get a chance to do. Yeah, I mean, I remember it probably because my friend was a big, big Rob Zombie fan. So he was like really trying to keep up with all the news and stuff, the internet was a thing. So you were able to read about it online. And I did see this in theaters and I believe I was 16. Yeah, I had to be 16 because I wasn't able to get into a movie by myself. So I had to go with my mom. And this was probably a very awkward movie uh, to see with your son. Uh, it is quite, It is quite the film to watch with your parents, that's for sure. But luckily, my mom was cool. They were in. My parents were into horror films. They used to go see all this shit. So she didn't make it awkward you know, for you. No, no, no. But Cover it's one of those eyes, things. Michael. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like when you're seeing like the naked girl all cut up hanging from the fucking ceiling. It's like, whew, you know, or like the girl in the back of the car. It's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. You're the best, mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank God I didn't go see like a Fulci movie with her though. That oh, would have been yeah. like hard to uh, explain, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what can, what can you do? I also agree though. I don't remember really seeing any sort of trailers or any sort of fucking advertisement for this Build movie. Up. Yeah. It could just be that I wasn't thinking about it at the time and it just wasn't a priority to me. Like I wasn't really 
you know, you got to remember the Sinister Urge came out in 2001. This was 2003. So his gravy train was already kind of over. You know yeah. what I mean? He he already peaked with that hellbilly deluxe Sinister Urge. Obviously, he was still famous, but like he started to kind of wane. That was that was a decent decent time, but like a decent time to be a band. Oh, they yeah. were signing all these metal bands and all that shit. So, you know, he was kind of not as big or in the limelight like he was. So we didn't really think about it. And then when it came out, I was like, huh, <laughs> this is this is an interesting film, I guess. And it's, it's funny because at this time period, too, like you were saying, the metal music and horror kind of became remarried in this like new relationship where all these uh, new horror films were using these great new metal bands at the time that were getting it just it just opens them up to a whole new audience and it was I think such a cool thing for the two genres that obviously go hand in hand together to really use each other to to launch you know their movies and the songs yeah it's something that's kind of funny that like there aren't that many metal horror movies right oh specifically like you know yeah Metal for something well even things like oh you watch something like mandy and it's like oh that's a metal horror movie it just has that vibe like it gives yeah. you like a you know the soundtrack the atmosphere the way it's shot the way it looks the people that are in it uh, minus nicholas cage uh it's not but you know what i mean like this okay i guess well that's what i'm saying like darkness yeah it has metal songs in it but like even if it didn't that movie's like fucking metal to me metal you know what i mean fuck. like yeah it's just they give off a certain vibe. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, Trick or Treat or Rocktober Blood. It doesn't have to be in your face. But I feel like it's just not really a thing. And whenever you ask these people, like, yo, man, like, what kind of music you listen to? It's like, oh, I listen to metal. And then why like, is oh, it in that's your weird. fucking movies? Yeah, yeah like, you never dude. see it. You never see a crossover unless you're Danny Filth. Then he made that movie. I refuse <laughs> to pay, like, 50 bucks for it, though. Good so. Lord. <laughs> so... Now, here's something I find pretty interesting about this movie. Rob Zombie created this to be sort of like a grindhouse, you know, drive-in flick, like we were saying before. Do you feel like he was able to capture that? Does this feel like a drive-in movie, like a grindhouse movie, like something you'd see at midnight on a Saturday night in a Texas drive-in? Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think so, 100%. I think that if you have that mindset coming into this movie, then that is the right way to watch it. Uh, it comes, like, even like the, the coloring and the set design, everything comes off like a fucking comic book. And that's exactly how those old Grindhouse movies felt too, where it was like, you're watching this like strip of scenes happening. And you know, a lot of that older stuff didn't really make a too much sense plot wise too. It was just about the thrill of what the scene is going to happen and what's going to happen next. And that just keep building of, of, you know, intensity. And that's what this movie delivers on. Yeah. Uh, I would say it kind of does. It To me, I get what he was trying to do. It still looks polished. You know what I mean? Like, it still has that that finishing touch. Oh, that yeah. I agree with things that. Things that are super low budget or, you know, even if it has a little bit of money, you, there's always this grit. And to me, this movie doesn't have that. You know, you could tell that it was filtered through somebody else that he even said there's a ton of shit that they filmed that didn't make the movie. This is an R-rated movie and there's no unrated cut to my knowledge there out there. Uh, I know he says like a lot of that footage is gone, which is bullshit. How is that footage gone? There's no way. 
in a time where everything is saved, everything is transferred to digital. They're watching dailies, probably fucking digitally, like all this shit. How is that stuff going? And you're and you're fucking Rob Zombie. It's not like you're like just some Joe Schmo who had a project he was working on. Like you've already had a huge music career. You've already directed a bunch of fucking music videos. There's no way you're not saving and backing up everything that you touch. It's just not possible. I 100% agree with that. Like, how are there people like Ron Bonk out there that have these like mini DV and like high eight fucking cassettes from Legit. 1989, but you don't have these scenes that were supposedly super gory and super fucked up? Like, really? And he did the same thing with 31. He said like, oh, there's a crazier version. I'm going to release it eventually. Then everybody's like, oh, where is it? And then, you know, crickets. And that, and that, that I think that movie rubbed me the wrong way the most out of all of that shit just because he had it was fan funded and it was supposed to be that over the fucking top no holes barred movie and then for him to be like well there's actually a better more gory version that I could put out motherfucker we paid for this movie like what do you mean like put the fucking thing out <laughs> you feel like that was a work man did you get work brother I did man I was <laughs> stretch that what? son of a bitch next time I see <laughs> uh, yeah I mean dude like in current times you could always sell an unrated copy again and people will buy it. Absolutely. So obviously you don't have it. You know what I mean? Like you didn't film it. They, they're, there's no production stills, right? Have you seen anything from like a production still or a test or yeah, nothing? No, no photos, nothing of a scene and that I'm not familiar with from the movie. Yeah. Like they said that there's... Uh, a more graphic scene of Rain Wilson's character being turned into the fish boy character. Well, I would like love the statue thing. That. Good God. Where's the footage? That's some shit I need to see. Dude, don't you think there would be some sort of test footage, some sort of early sketches or some shit? Storyboard. Like, yeah, exactly. What where the is fuck? it? Dude, prove it. Rob Zombie, prove it. At prove this, this point, stuff was shot, I don't think please. it happened. Honestly, if if the, if the claim is that I don't have it because it got lost or some shit, I think it never dude, happened. 17 fucking years later and we haven't seen a clip of it? Get the no fuck way. out, dude. No way. You see like fucking VHS copies of test footage from a Friday the 13th that came out fucking 30 years ago. How did that survive? But you don't have this? Come on. It didn't yeah, from, happen. From That's fucking, why. Yeah, the beginning of the 2000s to now. And yet people are, like you said, like fucking Ron Bonk, Tim Ritter. That motherfucker's got copies of everything, dude. Like why? And special K, I, to make it even more of a point, is that Rob Zombie is a media collector. He collects yeah. VHS tapes. He collects Laserdisc, Betamax. Anything that you can put a fucking movie on, he collects that shit for horror movies. So he just doesn't keep his own? Yeah. I mean, I have almost every like demo that I've ever recorded. Oh, you know, yeah, like, exactly. minus maybe like one. But if somebody, if somebody's like, "Oh, I'm gonna give you seven million dollars to record an album," I'm gonna have everything from that album. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, you want to hear just my guitar track? Fucking recorded at three a.m. on Saturday, August twentieth. Yeah. Like, that's exactly <laughs> it. If someone's paying you to do that shit. It doesn't disappear. Yeah, I don't Unless know. Unless Universal he's... took the fucking footage. Or Lionsgate took the footage because they had that dispute. There was like a big dispute between Lionsgate and uh, uh, and, and Rob Zombie. And that's why it took so long for Three From Hell to become a thing. Because after Devil's Rejects, there was some bad blood and shit. And he wasn't going to get a release for those characters. So it's possible that Lionsgate might have some of that footage. And that there's a, a legal thing going on to get it. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just say it exists? Oh, I, I it exists, but I don't have the rights. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be a That's better way to say. put it if that was the situation. I, I, it does exist. I just don't have the rights to it. Not that it's gone or some shit. The only, and it's not even like it was the whole like universal fire where like shit got destroyed because yeah. he's, he, it was already like he done by then. That. He sold, yeah, yeah, he sold it already. Uh, universal sold him the movie by then. Right. Did we mention that? That he had to buy this movie to get it like released? Yeah, he bought it from Universal <laughs> because they were like, we're not going to put our name on this. And then he bought it and then sold it to Lionsgate so that Lionsgate could, could distribute it for him. That's, yeah, this is a rough start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think this is the most effective Rob Zombie movie? No. The most cohe- the mo- You don't think this is the most cohesive? Like there's a story, you know, it plays out. You got a beginning, you got, you got an end. I think, okay, so if I'm... Out of all Rob Zombie movies, no, I don't think this is the most cohesive. I don't think this is the most well done or even the best story. I, I mean, the best story, not by a long shot. Um, I think that this is the best portrayal of the Firefly family in that regards, though. I, As much as I do like Devil's Rejects, and I, and I do kind of like the new one as well, I know it got a lot of heat. Um, I think that this really, like, you know, this Otis, the beardless, kind of greaseball, fucking real... You know, almost anti-government, out of his mind, lunatic Otis. I really enjoy um, the baby in this. She nails the character in this movie compared to the character she plays in the, in the next two. I just wish that there was more of uh, of who they really started to be in this in the remaining Rob Zombie movies. And so for that, I can't say that this is like <laughs> the best of what he's done. And why do you think he ended up changing all that though with the firefly family like why did he go you know uh in this opposite direction of how they were this crazy serial killer backwoods family in this fucking crazy house this death house and then all of a sudden it turns into like a road action movie where it's just like they're all they're just like bank robbers almost like on the run you know what i mean like a natural born killers almost yeah that does feel that way the second one um I think it's definitely an interesting choice. I think in his mind, he had a style for like, like he had in this one, he had this grindhouse, you know, kind of, you know, movie in mind. I think he had that like, uh, you know, seventies, dirty Westernish kind of, you know, movie that he tried to portray in the next one. So he wrote a movie that fit that motif because yeah. even the way it feels, the way it looks in devil's rejects is totally off from way yeah. this is i mean it's yeah 180 uh so i guess that would be the only thing i could think of was as like he changed some of the aspects to fit the direction that he was trying to go in and he did that again I've, even with the new one yeah well i feel like house of a thousand corpses you could consider uh a quote-unquote scary movie you know what i mean where the devil's rejects is like a road action film like a thriller it's fucking gory action drama. for sure uh, I don't think it's necessarily like a bad movie. I just wish that he went into a better direction than he did. Like maybe get into more of the Dr. Satan stuff because he's alive and they don't mention him ever again in any of the other movies, which is kind of stupid. It's such a cool character and it a cool is. lore that you just chose to abandon which maybe one day he'll revisit it because you know he has to put his wife in another movie <laughs> so yeah, he, 
yeah, vegetables. yeah. They they gotta eat. They got kids. Actually, I don't think they do. <laughs> do they? <have> kids? <laughs> I don't know. Holy shit. That's good. It's um, but uh, <laughs> little, little zombies, yeah, <laughs> little, little Bobby zombies. zombies. Good lord. <laughs> uh, now, like you were saying with like the Otis without the beard, that was something that I completely forgot. That like in all the other movies, he has the beard, and he's a different and character. I, yeah, I definitely did not think about that when watching this because I'm looking at him like, why does he look so fucking crazy? And it's because he, you could see his face. You know what I mean? He doesn't have that Charles hair. Manson look. Yeah, he, he kind of has like white hair, right? In the other ones, like it's, it's like older. Dirty, yeah, it's like a grayed out, you know, like old man, dark hair with like gray fucking tips kind of a thing. It's a totally different look. It's a different. Dude. That's what I'm saying. They're different characters. If you take the Devil's Rejects and you you fucking make it a separate movie, you rename the characters, you recast it with with different people. I think that's an awesome, awesome movie. I love everything about it. I don't like the continuation of these these characters from corpses into that movie. It should have just been something different at that point. 100%. And you know what? And I think that actually works like to the uh, the demise of the series. I mean, I know people love it. I know people are still into it and all that shit. But I really feel like as it goes on, it's like how many times can these people escape death? Right. How many times could they always just make it out alive somehow? You know what I mean? Breaking like out uh, of jail again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And even in the second one, you got fucking um, Wydell's brother and That's he's fucking character. crazy. And of course, he doesn't kill him. Right. He ends up he ends up getting killed out of nowhere and they escape this burning house while they're fucking literally nailed to a chair nailed it's to like a so chair. you yeah and you know what that was the best character in that whole fucking movie why now rock fucking yeah they killed him in that that was bullshit <laughs> but even in the new one like they're fighting this mexican gang right and uh, they kill like a gang of fucking 50 people come on they're not navy seals no that's they're yeah, not, that's a little ridiculous you know all of a sudden they're experts in everything but that's but, another thing that i think man you take you take three from hell you separate it from this series. You make it its own movie. There's a lot of elements about that that I, I, I really like. But because of what you just said, that you've seen these characters fucking Scooby-Doo their way out of so much bullshit over the years. <laughs> yeah, throwing the banana peel on the ground and yeah, the guy slips and they escape. Like, it doesn't work now because this has been done. And, you know, if you were just to rebrand it and, you know, bring some different people in and, and give them a different name, those same stories would still crush and they would still be really good movies that his fans could get behind. Yeah. And I truly think that he wasn't originally, originally planning on a sequel until they gave him the extra money to do a new ending. I yep. think that's when he realized he had them on the hook because he said, we filmed the shit ending. You know what I mean? So that means he was just going to end the movie. And then I believe that the true ending of this movie, I don't know if he's ever said it or if it's anywhere. I think when Otis comes out of the backseat of the car and goes to stab her, I think that was the original ending of the movie because now she wakes up and she's in uh, Dr. Satan's chair getting fucking killed. Yeah. But he comes down with the knife like he's going to stab her in the head. So why, you know, why would there be why, a Dr. That Satan make, cut? That makes no sense. Yeah. So I think that was the original ending. They didn't like it. And when he saw how much money they gave him to shoot a new one, he's like, hmm, like maybe it's time to start thinking about a part two. And 
I do like the Dr. Satan ending. I do like the character. I think it's a cool design. I don't like that they just abandoned it because it's like now this guy is in this underground fucking like office yeah. on this property and nobody ever found it. Nobody ever. Did they mention it in any other movies in passing? No, right? It's all. just wiped off the map. And <sighs> I, I agree with you. And I almost think that in the original cut, it was probably because I know that in the original idea of this and in the original filming of it, that uh, that Dr. Satan, there wasn't a character, Dr. Satan, a separate entity. Dr. Satan ended up actually being Grandpa Firefly in the yeah. original thing. So I don't think any of that like underground, uh, you know, doctor's office with the patients, the Dr. Satan scene. I don't think any of that was originally shot. I think it was probably a play out of them trying to get out of the house. Maybe the run rabbit run scene that happens. Um, and from that point, you know, she gets away from the next day and in the morning fucking Spalding picks her up and then the knife scene happens. Cut. That's the end of the film. I yeah, can see that being I, how the, the original cut. I agree. Being. Because that like doctor's office is so just like out of left field. Right. Oh, She's running through these catacombs and as you know, as Alice. And then all of a sudden she's like in this doctor's office, like I don't know. <laughs> those those scenes are oozing money, dude. You can tell how much was fucking spent to create those sets and the Doctor Satan gimmick. The, that outfit is so fucking epic. So you could see that they were like, "Here's a bunch of fucking money. Let's do something better than what you just gave us." So I, yeah. I, that's you could see where that money went. They should have kept going with that instead of trying to be cool and make like a period piece. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did we mention that this movie took place on Halloween 1990, uh, 1977? So is it a Halloween movie? Is it? This, I would say, is not a Halloween movie because despite there being a Halloween party of some sort, I don't think that had any bearing on the fate. You know, of these characters, I believe they would have been killed either way, be it Halloween or not. And the only real thing you see is that dinner. And then the fact that the kids are trick or treating like the night before because it's a school night. That's really all you see. Even at the gas station, there's no talk of it. They're not talking about it at all. Like, was that an afterthought also? It had, you know, like I feel like it it must have been. Do they? uh, I think Karen Black does say it's Halloween, right? Yeah, I, the, she yeah actually, then they have the big dinner that's like, you know... With the masks. But, like, she explicitly says, like, it's Halloween. Yeah, she does right? say that yeah. in the movie. I'm almost 100% yeah. positive, dude. I just making sure. <laughs> We're just making that I, bullshit up out of yeah, our... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? Who cares? This is how you make a movie. You yeah. just make up bullshit as you go. Apparently, right? That's what you would think. <laughs> <laughs> so, what exactly do you think would have made this movie better? Uh, I think that this movie could have been uh, a lot better if the plot and story was thought out a little bit more. I think there's amazing aspects. There, you have this cast of these incredible fucking characters. Uh, we we hardly mentioned Doctor Spalding or Captain Spalding, and he is you know a horror icon. You know, Rob Zombie created a new horror icon with that character. Yes, uh, and Otis. And same thing with Otis, exactly. You know, like that's new that that's like your, you know, your two thousands version of Michael Myers and shit like that. Yeah, you got Jigsaw and you got fucking House of a Thousand yeah, Corpses. That that that's your character base. But unfortunately he has these these all these players, but he's not making it to the fucking World Series, man. Like <laughs> you, you you have to really spend more time with the story to make it cohesive. 
And I don't know if it's because of the grindhouse mentality that he was trying to do. He was just, let's just make the next scene more intense. Let's just make the next scene more intense that it suffers from having a story that's disconjointed. It's, it's very convoluted. It's hard to, to there's like sub stories going on with like these cheerleaders <laughs> and the fucking the cops come. Dude, it's, it's, it's a lot where it just needed to be streamlined with all these great players and highlight what you have. Yeah. I think that um, the casting is this in this movie is the strongest thing it has going for it. The whole Halloween thing, I think, should have been pl- played up a little bit more. I think like a Halloween haunted house movie, like a slasher. They don't really touch on it. I think it could have benefited from it a it's little a bit. Guarantee sell in the horror community. I 100% agree. Because like when they do that whole ceremony where they're dropping them into the fucking pit, like why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like at least make it like something having to do with that. Yeah, like a Sam like Hain ceremony or some shit that's going yeah, on. That yeah, yeah. About to do. Yeah, I get that. You got to do some fucking like, uh, like satanic ceremony to send them to fucking Doctor Satan so they can hopefully find his office in yeah. this fucking catacomb. And it has like, to be. Yeah, yeah, make it like the ritual has to be done on Halloween night, and that's why they're brought here. You know, this whole ploy. Like, you're 100 percent right. Make it more yeah. about Halloween, and that story comes together so much fucking more. That is such a good point. I just feel like this movie tries a little too hard and it doesn't come across as like natural where you watch a Polonia Brothers movie and you're like, all right, it's a little goofy, but I get what they're doing. Same thing with like a J.R. Bookwalter movie. Like sometimes it's over the top, but I get it. You know, Ron Bonk, I get it. Uh, Eric Stanzi, I get it. Todd Sheets, I get it. It It doesn't matter what your budget is. You know, you get what they're trying to do. Fucking Leif Yonker. But in this, I feel like it's somebody, you could tell it's somebody trying to emulate that. Like, then you have Grindhouse and, um, you know, where they're doing Planet Terror and Death Proof, where that feels the same way as this, where the only thing this doesn't have is the intentional cigarette burns and fucking cut scenes and all that shit. Like, imagine this being shot on 16, like how different it would have made this movie feel. Dude, if this was shot on 16 millimeter, I would love it. That's what I'm saying. I would fucking love it. It would feel right, you know? Yeah. And I just think it's got that, like, that early 2000s metal, like, just, it's like goofy. You know what I mean? Like, it's It's just goofy. That's a good way to describe early 2000s metal. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's, it's just a little goofy to me. Even the characters, this is the beginning of that, like, over the top Rob Zombie dialogue. It's not as bad in this movie, but it gets worse as the movies go. And I get it. That's how like normal people will talk. We curse a lot, but I feel like they'll say certain things where it's like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like your dad trying to talk cool to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, like that. It's I feel like it's a little bit like that where he's kind of a little like out of the, the loop the, when the it comes to. The dialogue is so hit or miss because I feel like he has the ability to write uh, epic lines and really great scenes but then just like you said he also has this ability to really shit the bed and write something really corny and and not funny like when i think of like an amazing line of his it's like you go to uh captain spaulding and devil's rejects where the kid and the mom and he's stealing the car and he's like what's the matter kid don't you like clowns and shit like that that's great dialogue you know like that's really 
that's where he shines. It doesn't come across fucking corny and stupid. I think the way you have to look at it is you got this dude that's basically like a city a city slicker writing for for backwoods country people, something he knows nothing yeah. about. And he very mel uh very may well have maybe once went on vacation somewhere in the woods but <laughs> like Texas, yeah. isn't he a mass isn't he like a massachusetts guy then he went to art school in new york yeah. city no he's then a he total to LA. he's definitely yeah, he not a LA. fucking hillbilly he, deluxe like he says dude i think he lives in like fucking connecticut right now like well, no, to be fair, they did buy a ranch they are they are living the ranch oh, life now. they're cowboys uh yeehaw that's why they did the educated horses <laughs> album right yeah, now he's a cowboy yeah. wearing boots so grizz would you say Rob Zombie is a good director? I would say that Rob Zombie has the ability and has directed really great movies. I, I, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I've been a fan of his since White Zombie, like we talked about. So, um, But I'm also not a blind fan in the sense that I'm just like, everything he fucking his, does is great. Yeah. I can't, don't want to hear your argument. You, know? you can see his faults. It's, it's his faults are fucking obvious dude like you yeah. know you can't hide some of these giant blemishes but at the same time who else you know can say that they've created characters that are going to withstand the test of time that's a tough thing to do in the horror genre now a lot of people but try. also but also dude like he also had a built-in audience you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like that's he was true. coming from an already established career where he had two very successful bands. Very true. So it's not like this dude is just coming out of nowhere. He's had a fan base already. Like my buddy was going to see that movie no matter what. And he right. was probably going to like that movie no matter, no matter what. what. You know what I mean? So it's kind of one of those things where like even like a Chris Jericho, like, dude, he's got his band Fozzie. Like, would people go see Fozzie if it wasn't Chris Jericho's band? Fuck no, they suck, dude. No, well, let's. People have different choices of music, so I won't say that because maybe one day we'll have Chris Jericho on here. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to burn uh, bridges for you, Mike, with your dreams. <laughs> Talk wrestling with the guy, but you know, I feel like he had that uh, whole thing coming, so he was going to make money on this regardless. Because then you got the haters, you got people like me, yeah, saying like, oh, we're going to hate this. it no let's matter what because it's let's something. see how bad it's going to be. Yeah, and do I hate this movie? No. Is it like Halloween where I fucking hate it? No. Yeah. Is it the best thing I ever saw? No. Is it still kind of goofy? Yes. Will I watch it again? Probably eventually. So what it's is something your, that you can? What is your overall takeaway from him as a director? Then, like, what would you say? How you, if you're going to rate him as a director, what would you be his strong points and his his, his obviously his so is? I think Rob Zombie would be better as like a number two guy, as an ideas guy. You know what I mean? Not I like necessarily that. the one that's going to actually pull it off, but somebody who's going to be like, hey, I think this is going to be cool. I think this is going to be cool. I think this would work. I think he does that stuff well. And like, hey, I got this general idea for a movie. Then maybe give it to somebody to like rewrite it or to at least, I'm sure they have some sort of script, uh, you know, supervisor on these Team, things yeah. that is checking it out. Or maybe not. You know, he might have been too famous for that, where they're just like, oh, fuck it. Like, dude, whatever you want to do, we're doing. Here's money. Yeah. Because it seems like they just gave him the money and was, you know, he gave him a pitch, a rough pitch. They gave him the money and he just went and he was shooting like two months later or whatever he said. So I think he would be better as more of an art director like he was. Maybe some, you know, writing a script. 
I think he's more of just the idea. You know what I mean? He's not that strong when it comes to dialogue. Things get repetitive. I, if I had to like rate him at a 10, I would say he's like a five. That's where he's not, he's not quite like a shitty made for sci-fi movies, but he's not exactly fucking making the Godfather. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I think five, is, <laughs> five, five and six would be, I think, a, a pretty fair... Because you're right. Do, I mean, he has obvious problems with his movies. Do I think he improved over time? Absolutely not. I think he got lucky with Lords of Salem. I think he got really lucky with that. And all... Because everything else to me, I honestly think, besides Lords of Salem, the next best thing was fucking El Super Bisto, the that cartoon. No, that cartoon's fantastic. I, I think I, that cartoon is awesome. I think that what the problem, uh, the problem that is, that has kind of been highlighted though, is that, you know, you look at the other movies we're talking about here. We 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 said that Lords of Salem is a good movie. We both enjoy that. Um, now you have Three from Hell, Devil's Rejects, and Thirty One. All three of those are pretty much the same fucking thing. Yeah, you know, crazy family or crazy group of people, serial killers, twisted, fucking. Thirty-one you know, wasn't greasy. a big departure from what we've seen from him, whereas Lords of Salem was. It was new. Yes. We hadn't seen that from him before. Different characters that had a different vibe. I fucking loved it. Dude, That's it, what it, he well, needs to get, do. What's the difference there? It's not like a white trash backwoods fucking it's family. A city movie. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Exactly. Where like even Halloween, the family's like a white trash family, right. right? Michael Myers comes from this like broken, fucked up house. And that's, I think that scene, like in the kitchen of that first Halloween movie, when I was fucking sitting there and the guy's saying he's going to skull fuck her or whatever. Yeah, that's... I was like, wow, this is like, not that I'm offended, but it's like, wow, that's like really trying very hard to be edgy. Yeah, that, like, that scene in particular in that movie, I think you could take that whole fucking thing out and you would still get the point that he's having a, a bad childhood yeah. without yeah. having someone being like, I'm going to skull fuck your stripper mom, you son of a bitch. You know, like that's, yeah. that's yeah. too much, dude. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. That probably passed by multiple people oh, dude. To get, and, and got shot. That's what I'm you saying. You know what I mean? This is a it's, great it's scene. Halloween. Let's do that. <laughs> dude, it's fucking Halloween. We like, get more of the no skull fuck that, guy that, in here. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there's no way that they're like just making that movie yeah. off the script that he gives like oh yeah fuck it it's rob zombie just let him do whatever he wants hell no they're looking no. at that halloween script and they let that happen and then they even let halloween 2 happen you want to talk about the worst remake in history that is the worst halloween remake in 2. history worst the yeah, worst it's it's absolutely terrible unwatchable and people people hate the new halloween go watch that movie Go is watch fucking that, Rob. That one. No, it? I'm saying go watch that Rob Zombie Halloween, dude. Oh yeah, you'll hate that. that one. Yeah, Jesus Christ. So I think in in um, summary, Rob Zombie not the worst director, not the best director, but I think he's better as an assistant director. And one thing we didn't talk about in this movie uh, were our favorite scenes. Before we get to the end. Before we wrap everything up, all this House of a Thousand Corpses. Also, it's House of One Thousand Corpses. There's no A, which is very fucking weird to me. It's very hard to say. House of One Thousand Corpses. I always say a House of a Thousand Corpses. (laughs) Me too, but it's House of One Thousand Corpses. So what would, you know, give me like one or two of your favorite scenes in this movie. Um, I love the opening scene. Uh, There's a, a great dialogue section 
uh, it, it starts, like you said, with... Uh, well, actually, we didn't mention it. That It does start with Captain Spaulding's shop being uh, robbed by these two local, also, you know, big inbred hillbilly dudes. And there's just a really good back-and-forth dialogue. It, it sets a really good pace to how this movie's going to start playing out. Um, Captain Spaulding, that's one of those scenes that I was talking about where Rob can, can use some of that, you know cliche bullshit dialogue but it, it can actually work depending on how it's delivered and who's delivering it um that scene i think is really great great uh shot in the head scene lots of blood um other cool scenes i love the run rabbit run scene that's kind of like a, a weird you know they got these these people dressed up in these rabbit suits and they're chasing them through a field and babies being you know cherry moon zombie that's pretty much you know how she's acting and <laughs> yeah it 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 just kind of it looks really great the lighting it's at night and everything it just always sticks out to me in my head when i think about this movie i would have to agree uh that that opening scene is awesome i think that's pretty funny i like the whole uh you know the robbery gone wrong and it's just ridiculous. I like the murder ride scene. I think that's pretty cool because I am a fan of dark rides. So going in something like that would definitely be up my alley. Oh, I would go on. I probably a wouldn't. I probably wouldn't ask for like a map to some tree somewhere. But you know, other than that, <laughs> I'd go for the ride. And, yeah, and also I think I would say I really like when they're lowering the casket into like the tar pit or whatever the hell it is, and you hear like the Alistair Crowley voice or whatever. Like, you know, it's slowed down, all drop tuning, and it's it's like bury me in a nameless grave, I think it says. Yeah, and like the, uh, head, like the people are coming out of the fucking goo and stuff, dude. Oh, that's yeah. such a cool scene that I always forget about. That's dead on. Dude, is this a supernatural film? Yeah, I think you could classify it as that. I mean, there's living... Those, those creatures obviously are not living. They can breathe in fucking mud. So, I mean, there's yeah. definitely some elements that are not of this world. Also, in the second movie, they get shot and then they end up living in part three. Yeah, like what we oh, do. That's does that explain why they escape all these situations? They're dead because it's supernatural. <laughs> no, no, it's supernatural. They have like that that the like the edge. Yeah, the evil edge. They can kick uh, ass. Yeah, dude, that's the last time that we saw Jack DDP. Right, that was pretty much towards the end of his uh, his wrestling career. Dude, him Man. and Trejo fucking ruled as those big badass bikers. What a great combination. Yeah. Maybe one day we could do we'll we'll do Devil's Rejects because then you get fucking Ken Foray in that bitch. Hell yeah! I know how much you got a crush on him. I love him, man. <laughs> Joe, I'm Joe Grizzly, bitch. <laughs> so Adam, why don't you give me your final thoughts on this movie and a rating? All right, so I think that this movie is for a directorial debut for Mr. Rob Zombie. Uh, is a solid try i think that it's got uh, all the things that are he's going to use to kind of make his trademarks here um he has amazing character development he's you know created these great characters uh, it suffers greatly like i've said from the fucking the story being jumbly and the rewrite of the ending <laughs> um i want a fucking unedited unrated edition of this movie more than anything because maybe it would make some sense but the way the movie is now i think this is a solid you know four star movie i okay so there are <laughs> things that i like about it it's not the worst thing in the world it's not the best thing in the world i don't know how many times i'm gonna have to say that i think this is uh a pretty solid first effort like you said 
I mean, could I do better? Probably not. But the guy did have experience before, so it wasn't exactly like he was coming out of nowhere. He wasn't a virgin. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I do like the Dr. Satan mythology. That's cool. I wish they did more with it. I wish he continued on in the series. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I hate that this is the first time that we saw Sherry Moon Zombie because we see her a lot more in years to come. Uh, one thing that I that I generally like in movies are the scores and soundtracks, and in this one, it just wasn't good. If I had to give this a rating, I would have to say, let's see, we do it out of five. I'm going to put it right in the middle, 2.5. You, Some people may like it. Some people won't like it. It's not for everybody. If you I just agree. if you just want to watch like a fucking dumb movie, part of me if you love this, but like it to me, it just doesn't hit like it used to. I was kind of excited to rewatch it because I did enjoy this when I was younger, but as an adult you start seeing all these other movies and you realize like wow, I saw this done better, I saw that done better. Yeah, wasn't this, this was in Skinned Alive? That... I'm almost positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh wow, that's very similar. But uh yeah, I would give this a two point five out of five. And I think the only movie I haven't given a five was April Fool's Day. So this is I may have given a zero to something at some point also. Did but... you really give a five to fucking Jack Frost? No, maybe not on that too. I don't know. Maybe oh one day I'm gonna Lord. have to I'm gonna have to go through all these and kind of <laughs> figure it out. So why don't we get to the back of the box, which this is a later release. So let's see if they ever improved on these uh, small synopsis synopsi synopses. <laughs> I don't know. Two young couples take a misguided tour onto the back roads of America in search of a local legend known as Dr. Satan. I almost fell off the ledge there. Lost and stranded, they are set upon by a bizarre family of psychotics. That's a period. Murder, cannibalism, <laughs> and satanic rituals are just a few of the 1,000 plus horrors that await. That's like, that's very vague. I guess that's also it? at this time. Yeah, that's it, man. Ugh, it's like three sentences. I guess also, like, at this time, it didn't really matter. You had the internet and all that shit. You didn't have to rely on the video store to rent stuff, you know? You already kind of knew what you were getting into. You were tying up your parents' uh, phone line with the fucking AOL, trying to figure out what movies were coming out. Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is, you have to check your release, because I think you said this to me. The box says 2002. This movie yeah. was released in 2003, but it was filmed in 2000. So what a process. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the Lionsgate, like, emblem is on this, too, so... I don't know. So, Grizz, why don't we hit the video Dropbox and we will see what we're watching next week. Okay, so next week on the Bad Taste of Video Podcast, episode 104, we will be watching the monster classic from the early 80s, the low-budget creature feature, The Deadly Spawn. So this one comes from 1983. It's probably one of the best low-budget monsters that you will ever see in a movie. 
granted it's a lot of it is like lit in a you know it's in a dark basement but there's these little other creatures that are around that look fucking awesome this movie is insane grizz are you familiar with it oh, i'm very familiar with it me and you uh, had the pleasure of seeing this last year at vhs fest on the big screen what a great way to watch this movie um like you said it's a little dark but the darkness helps this one i think when we get into this uh, we'll all agree that if this was a bright movie that monster yeah, might not me... look so great <laughs> let's uh hit the trailer we'll talk a little bit more after First, there was the invasion of the body snatchers. Then there was Alien. Now comes the return of the aliens, the deadly spawn. It began with a meteor crashing to Earth. No one knew the mystery of the mutant spores it contained. Now, they are free. They will grow and reproduce rapidly, eating anything and anyone in their path. <gasps> the return of the aliens, the deadly spawn. no escape nowhere to hide from being eaten alive what the they just keep multiplying like demon seed extraterrestrial terror they're full of surprises and the best is yet to come can anything stop these strange creatures the movie real science fiction fans have been waiting for the return of the aliens, the deadly spawn. Want you to see them at this theater soon. They need every person they can. Okay, so yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I think this is a awesome movie from a time that really like the slasher villain was in. You weren't getting too many monster movies from this time. You have The Thing, it was just before it, and this is nothing like that. That's for damn sure, right? <laughs> That's a tough comparison, shit. Yeah, uh, you may know it as a Continental Big Box release, but that's what, the Return of the Aliens, the Deadly Spawn? There's like a little uh, like extra title on there. Does yours say that? Okay, so yeah, there's like a million different fucking titles for this. I have both the VEC and the Studio One release. Uh, the Studio One is entitled Return of the Deadly Spawn, and then the ah. BEC is just Deadly Spawn. Yeah, I think mine is just the Deadly Spawn. And I, I know that it's the on the fucking VEC. I think it's just Deadly Spawn. I think I have the Bullseye release, and I believe that says the. Yeah. Uh, I also have the Japanese release, and I believe oh, beautiful. it was called what, like Meat Eater or something like that over there. It, it, it had some. We got to look that up. We'll see it next. Uh, it's I can't, it's, such a beautiful copy that you got, though. I love that that cover. Yeah, you'll you'll see that up on the on the uh, the page eventually. So definitely check that out. It might actually be on YouTube, but we, you know, it's I don't know. What you're not our about. account. Yeah, it's not our account, so I don't really care. It's not gonna <laughs> fucking doesn't count for me. Uh, Grizz, what did you watch? What did you get this week? 
Uh, this week, I have got a, one really, really cool movie that came in the mail. Uh, it's called Dark Descent. Uh, if you're familiar with our podcast, you've heard us talk about our deep love for Mr. Matthew Jason Walsh and all the stuff that he writes and the music that he makes and his acting. Uh, this is a movie that him and Ron Bonk, another familiar name to the show, has done. Uh, it's about a, a a chick who like goes to find the serial killer who killed her friend, but not for revenge, but to learn also how to be a serial killer, which I love. <laughs> I the love heel that. turn. Yeah, I love that. Which is also going to be cool because I guess there is some City of the Vampires uh, bonus content, behind the scenes, blooper reel, all that kind of fun stuff on that movie for some reason. That makes no sense no because sense. it's I not know. connected in any sort of way. I hope maybe there, maybe there is. Well, maybe there they, is they, they, were in, like, they were both involved in that and they probably made him at the same time. And so there's, there's maybe some connection. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. I also uh, watched on Shudder a movie called Dogtooth, which is a Greek movie that was really fucking weird and makes you really uncomfortable. It's about, you know, a, a father who basically isolates his whole family from the outside world and f- fucks their heads up, telling them different things. And it's, it's, it's a crazy, crazy ride about the kids trying to escape the, the father and stuff. But it's a great thing you got to read. What's that? you recommend it i definitely recommend it i mean if you're down to watch a foreign film which i've been getting into more and more because they just make some real wild shit um you gotta read subtitles but i've been finding that reading subtitles uh, excuse me reading subtitles helps me get into the movie more because i'm we have to pay attention focused in. yeah and like i'm yeah. really getting into the plots and shit so i, I actually kind of liked having the subtitle thing going on that's pretty cool i gotta check that one out I, i've never seen that i watched something on shutter blood quantum blood, yeah, I didn't it's about, about like a, i heard you mention yeah that. It's a zombie apocalypse movie, and the only people that are actually immune are like a native community, oh, and they sweet. have like this. Yeah, they're like have like this survival camp. It's pretty fucking cool. Uh, I got a few things in. Uh, finally, I own a copy of Robot Ninja. It has happened, everybody. The clouds yeah, have separated. I got, <laughs> I got so fucking lucky. If you are eBay people, you may have seen one go for like a hundred and something dollars. There's another him? one that are went you for tell like a, Yeah, yeah. There was one that went for like a hundred and seventy something dollars. But in between, there was one that went for thirty-five bucks. I think the it sweet was. Spot. I got it. <laughs> Mamma mia. Daddy's happy. Yeah. Uh, I also got it for a, a while, dude. I was so happy dude, when you said you got it. So that was I was expecting it to come and it just being fucking destroyed or a cut box or like uh, you know the tape being fucked up plays perfectly. Hell yeah! It's, what matters? Uh, I, exactly. That's all that matters. I also got a copy of Edge of the Axe. Finally, you know that's one that some people say it's boring. Some people say it's awesome. Some people say Sledgehammer's boring. I love that movie. So have you seen Edge of the know, Axe? You know what? I actually have waited to watch that movie. I have not seen it in full. I've seen pieces. I've seen scenes. Yeah, yeah. I've never watched it from start to finish. And I wanted to wait till yeah. I had it on tape because I'm a... F- that rhyme. But I <laughs> feel like that's, you know, the only way you can watch a certain movie. Well, I'll be interested to hear movies. what your takeaway is from it then. Because I've also heard the same thing, that it's kind of a snoozer, but, you know... Some people like it. Exactly. I think... Uh, the opposite. I think the Fright Vision guys like it, right? They got a pretty good sense of what's going on, so... I think... I don't remember. What, we'll ask him. Anthony, you like that movie? What's up, dude? You know? Yeah, what's up, dude? <laughs> uh, I also got a Spanish copy of Darkness, so I'm almost done with that catalog. You are killing it. <laughs> Jesus. I think I have I have a decent amount now. I have uh, one, two, three, four... I have five copies. Uh, 
let's go. If you got the Japanese one, if you got the fucking pre-film threat, let's do it. Let's go. Let's let's get this done. Let's get this done. All right. So, Grizz, where could they find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at bad. Or no, that's you. You can find you at bad taste video. <laughs> you can find me at Kane underscore enabler on Instagram, and you can also uh, find us on Facebook. If you type yeah. in bad taste video in your little Facebooky toolbar. And like my man here said, you can find me at Bad Taste Video uh, on Instagram. And you can find everything we do at www.badtastevideo.com. Wherever you're listening to us, please rate us five stars. Leave us a good review. Also, let us know how you like the format change, right? We kind of shifted from what we used to do. We're going to keep beating that into your head until eventually it's not even a Is it working? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we're trying to, we don't want to ruin everything for you. That kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit, right? We mystery. want you to see the movies. Or maybe don't see them, depending on what we say. Uh, but yeah, it would help <laughs> us a lot if you fun. leave us a good review. Rate us. Go listen to our friends, right? Laser Graves, EK over there, fucking killing it. Uh, Fright Vision, awesome dudes. Super Tat Film Club, Witch Finger Podcast. Um, who else do you listen to, man? Uh, uh, I got, there's so many of them. <laughs> fucking Neon Brainiacs. There's the new um, podcast that uh, we just uh, have been talking to recently that has a really cool format with the uh, the horror movies with the musicians. What was the uh, yes. these guys' name? Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks. Great name. Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks. I love that shit. Uh, you could hear some of the local musicians from my area, even though he is not from Long Island. But <laughs> I was like, wow, are you from around here? He's like, no, man. I'm like, he's in the Carolinas. So I'm like, oh, shit. Thought I made a new friend, new local friend. There we go. So, yeah, listen to all our buddies. Uh, check everybody out. It's a great time to be a podcast listener, right? And maybe you subscribe to our Patreon also. But, you know, whatever. Uh, so, Grizz, anything else that you want to say? Uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening and this is uh, was a fun one to do this was kind of a little bit of a build up but I, I think I, it, never, I think it was tame I think we, we yeah. handled ourselves like gentlemen we were civil I never thought I would have to watch this movie on my fucking podcast but you know you gotta roll <laughs> with the punches fault. sometimes I'll get him I'll get him back eventually go. I'm gonna make him watch something he fucking hates we're gonna watch all the traces of death <laughs> <laughs> yeah fun with that one guys yeah yeah alright we'll see you next week I'm going to count to ten, and you're going to hand over all the cash, or I'm going to splatter your grease paint mug across the state line. One. Fuck your mama. Two. Fuck your sister. What are we going to do? Hey, I know you. You work at the hardware store, right? Richard Wick, right? Shut your trap. Quiet down, both of you. Three. Fuck your grandma. Yeah, I remember now. All the guys made fun of you. Call you little dick wick. Shut up. Most of all, fuck you!